coming up on today's episode of the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast. Obviously, you love Italy. I do. We do too. You you might love it a little more than we do. You're definitely way more experienced than we are. We've gone once. We did it, and we did uh, Rome, Venice, and Milan. Milan. Mm-hmm. And we definitely want to go back. Oh no, we are going back. We are. <laughs> <laughs> I know someone that can help you with that. I I yes. glad you're here. Mm-hmm. Now I have your number. <laughs> I'm gonna be like, shoot! I gotta change my number now. <laughs> number four is on spaghetti bolognese. Oh God. <laughs> Uh Oh, am I going to hate this? No, spaghetti spaghetti bolognese does not exist in Italy. I chose St. Pete because there's so much to do here. And I mean, within walking distance of us, we have 10 museums. Yeah, right. It's a great walkable city. Right. Coming to you from St. Petersburg, Florida, you're listening to the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast, the show that's the authority on where to eat in St. Pete. Here are your hosts, Kevin Godby and Lori Brown. Hi, I'm Kevin Godby. And I'm Lori Brown. Thank you for tuning in today. Welcome to the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast, the podcast that's it when it comes to restaurants and food information in St. Pete. And be sure to check out our website, stpetersburgfoodies.com. There you'll find great information, including restaurant reviews, the largest St. Pete happy hour list ever created and kept updated, and information on the newest restaurants in town. We are locals that live in downtown St. Pete, and we've been eating our way through this town for years, so you don't have to, but you should. We have a new episode every Tuesday. Just hit the subscribe button and you'll get notified when an episode is ready for download. And then you can listen to them anytime you want, like on your morning jog or commute to work. On today's show, our featured guest is Christine Cutler. Chris is the president of the International Food, Wine, and Travel Writers Association. After Chris, Kevin did some cooking for one with new ingredients from St. Pete Meat and Provisions. We We have have a a great great show, show, so stick stick around. around. Ramen is the ultimate comfort food, and Booyah Ramen on the 900 block of Central Avenue is my go-to. It's so freaking good. The broth is like a silky blanket to warm up your mouth, and the hearty proteins, or just mushrooms for vegetarians, it'll have you saying, ooh, mommy, the umami is making my eyes roll back in my head. My favorites are the pork belly and the short rib. Mmm. And then there's the noodles. O-M-G. Go get the best ramen in St. Pete at Booyah Ramen at 911 Central Avenue in the Edge District of downtown St. Pete. Do ya, Booyah? Barbecue. It's what's on the menu. Here in St. Pete, we have a special place that's unlike any other barbecue joint. Dr. Barbecue is a restaurant for foodies. Dr. Barbecue is also the dude that's a barbecue hall of famer that won over 400 competitions. We'd say he knows a thing or two about barbecue, but let's hear from the man himself. Hey, it's Ray Lampy, Dr. Barbecue. A couple of years ago, after almost 40 years of cooking barbecue, I decided to open a restaurant and St. Petersburg was the perfect spot. I'd been living here for 10 years, so why not? At Dr. Barbecue's, we cook all our meats the old school way in our huge smokers over oak wood, low and slow. Even the most critical experts agree that we've got the best barbecue in town. 
But it's not just about the meats. We've got great house-made sides, handcrafted sandwiches, and even a healthy selection of vegan and vegetarian options. Add in a really fun brunch, two bars, and a friendly staff, and I think you'll be glad you joined us. We're at 1101 First Avenue South in the Edge District, right by the roundabout. Get yourself to Dr. Barbecue, pronto. As a St. Pete Foodies listener, you should also check out the Zest podcast from WUSF Public Media. You know, the Tampa NPR folks. Every Thursday, host Dahlia Cologne shares everything from food history to the best restaurants you haven't tried. There's recipes you'll want to try and a different slice of our state's foodie scene. The key lime actually is native to Southeast Asia. The English sailors were called limeys when they found out that they put it in their barrels of water to get rid of that brackish well-watered taste, they uh, didn't get scurvy anymore, so they wanted them in all their ports in the tropics, so they took the seeds and planted them. So that's how we ended up with key limes down here. We invite you to listen to The Zest on your favorite podcast app or at thezestpodcast.com. Tell Tell them St. Pete Foodie sent you. Our guest today writes travel, food, nonfiction, and memoirs. She is a photographer and editor whose work has appeared in numerous publications. Please welcome Christine Cutler. Welcome, Chris. Hi, thank you. This is so fun to have somebody in studio. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Studio with a view. Yeah. <laughs> you are the second in-person interview since the mask mandate was rescinded. Okay. So, welcome. It's nice to have somebody in person. Pretty soon, there's going to be no more Zoom for us. Yes. Thank God. Yeah. We, we have a couple coming up that are not as local, so they might still do Zoom, but pretty soon, I'm going to just say no. Mm-hmm. In, in-house or not. Good idea. Yeah. So, you are the president of the International Food, Wine, and Travel Writers Association, and there's some pretty cool stuff with that association, but we also, you do, so, you do a lot of stuff, and so we want to talk a little bit about you first, and I'll just rattle off a few things. Okay. You are travel editor at Live in Italy magazine. Correct. Uh, it's, it's a startup. Um, it's not quite a year old, mm-hmm. and the gal that started it is out of Miami. Oh. oh nice. And we're going to talk about uh, one of your articles in there, one of, a recent one. Okay. You are the executive editor at, editor at Food, Wine, and Travel Magazine, which is part of the association. It is. It's our official publication. <laughs> you are writer, photographer, and editor at coldpastaandredwine.com. That is one of my websites, That's right? That's yours. Oh, wow. You used to have cold pasta for breakfast, I understand. I did. And was it your son that had would eat soup for breakfast? It it was. Yeah. It was. You did your homework. He yeah. always did. And he got in trouble with one of his teachers because the teacher called me and said, Jason said he had cold soup for breakfast. And I said, well, he did. Mm-hmm. She couldn't <laughs> believe it. <laughs> and then also another one of your websites is, is your first and last name, christinecutler.com. That is. That's my basic author website personal site yeah and i have an article on there that i want to highlight as well so i see from your facebook that you're originally from youngstown ohio which is southeast of cleveland but i also noticed that you have a 702 area code right we just moved to saint pete from las vegas in october oh wow you're very recent here we are very recent we bought in 2019 but then with the pandemic we had thought about moving in april and 
the pandemic hit and then I had some health problems. So we put that off until all of that went by. And October 4th, we arrived in town. Nice. And uh, yeah, we'd lived in Las Vegas for 11 years. And uh, we had lived there before for eight years and thought we'd always lived there. But our son lives in Largo. Mm-hmm. And I fell in love with downtown St. Pete about three years ago. Mm-hmm. So I kept saying to my husband, you know, maybe we ought to look at moving. <laughs> and here we are. And are you loving it? I love it. Yeah. Love I, it. I really do. You know, I go to Italy a lot. I live in Italy sometimes for weeks or months. And I live in the downtown areas. I don't get in a car for months at a time. I walk or I take trains nice. when I have to go someplace or I'll take a bus. And that's what downtown St. Pete that's offers. That's what, yeah. 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 Same, same with me for St. Pete. I mean, if you were, you, you were to ask me, what's the price of gasoline? I, I don't know. <laughs> I, we, I fill up my car like once every three months, maybe. We actually downsized to even one car. Wow. Mm-hmm. We did. We, we downsized the condo. And we downsized to one car. We kind of did recently for short term because my car's in the shop. So. Yeah, I've been, I've been his Uber. Lori's my yeah. Uber. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm a realtor, so I don't have the luxury of not knowing the gas prices and filling the cars up. So. so how did you get into travel writing? I have always written. And I did an MFA in um, nonfiction at Murray State University in Kentucky. And listened to Susan Orlean talk. And I thought, you know, I love to travel. I love to write. It's nonfiction. So I'm going to do that. I started a blog um, about my travels because I was looking for my grandmother's village. And people started reading it and commenting on it. So then I went to a different site and did another blog about all of the travels. And people started saying, well, take me with you and do this and that. And honest to God, that's how I got started in it. And it's just blossomed from there, I guess. So what does it take to make a living at it? Oh, when you know, let me know. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, really, what you have to do, I think, is you have to be very proactive. Mm -hmm. And you have to go out... People will eventually come to you and ask you to write for them, but you have to go out and seek things at first, seek Mm -hmm. publications that will publish for you. It's hard to make a living on it. A lot of people don't pay a lot, a lot of publications. Mm -hmm. There are so many out there. You know, if you make $50, sometimes that's that's good on an article. Right, Mm -hmm. just because they have so many people that want to do that job. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But you have to be a good writer. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are a lot of people that think because they travel and they say, you know, I went here and I had the oysters and they were delicious, that that's food writing or travel writing. Right. No, it's not. Why were they delicious? Right. So you really have to, what I tell people, because I do teach you too, is you have to read what other people write Mm -hmm. in order for you to learn how to write. Yeah. What you're right. doing. Exactly. Right. Yeah. yeah. And and that's what that's basically what it comes down to. Yeah, I, I learned that too just by chance. You know, years ago, I I'm a book I've I've been a bookworm since I was a little kid. I don't get enough book reading time these days, but I have always loved to read. And there's times where I have read more than other times and I found out that I write better the more I read, 
the better I write. Mm-hmm. And sometimes if I don't read for a while, it's like it degrades a little bit, and then I start reading more, and it gets better. Exactly. When I was in the um, MFA class, we had to read 10 nonfiction books a semester and write abstracts for all of them. Oh, cool. And, but they weren't all good books. <laughs> no, and, and that was part of it. Part of learning is you learn not only what's good, but you learn what's bad. Right. 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 How do you know so, what's bad if you don't experience it? Right, exactly. Exactly. Well, unfortunately, I think reading's a dying breed these days with the new generation. This new generation, upcoming generation, it's crazy. Well, well, that's actually something that you actually mentioned, I think, on the podcast, the other podcast I heard you on. You were saying, like, you know, you don't need, like, a thousand words. You can have you can have more photos and less words because people are going to look at the photos. Yeah. And, but, and, oh, but you were the point you were making was captioning. Yes. Right. Right, you have to have good captions to. You have to have the great photo to draw the person in, but once you draw them in, then you need to have that a caption. great caption so that they know what they're looking at. Right, and if you look at good publications today, you'll notice it's heavy on photos, and there's a lot of white space because we have become very, very, very lazy readers. Mm-hmm. We don't want to look at a page that's you know, 250 words if there's not a photo or a graphic or right. something there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You'll keep turn. you'll just turn it. Yeah, exactly. So, obviously, you love Italy. I do. We do too. You you might love it a little more than we do. You're definitely way more experienced than we are. We've gone once. We did it, and we did uh, Rome, Venice, and Milan. Milan. Mm-hmm. And we definitely want to go back. Oh, no, we are going back. We are. <laughs> <laughs> I know someone that can help you with that. I'm I, <laughs> yes. glad you're here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Now I have your number. <laughs> I'm going to be like, shoot, i got to change my number now. So I read a couple of articles. on First off, christinecutler.com. Look for Don't Get Between the Plane and Me. And I loved that article. Would you give us a synopsis on that? I will. I was talking to a couple of friends in Las Vegas about two weeks ago. And they asked me um, when I was going to Italy next. And I said, as soon as Italy opens, don't get between the plane and me. And both of them said, you're nuts. You're Mm -hmm. crazy. Mm -hmm. Why would you travel over there right now with COVID and blah, 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 blah. And and I said to them, I live in Florida. We had one of the highest rates of COVID infections in the country. Right. I know how to take care of myself. I'm vaccinated. Right. Italy's taking care of itself. I I know that they had another wave in Europe and everything. But my point was, and and I had said this, uh, my mother was abused. You know, my father was abusive. And she was afraid to do anything. And Mm. I I always said to myself, I am not going to be like that woman. Right. And um, she didn't like to travel. She was afraid. I would have to put her on a plane and my brother would have to pick her up because she could not travel on her own. I decided I'm not gonna be like that. And then, you know, with the health problem I had last year, it got me thinking at some point, I'm not gonna be able to do this again. Mm -hmm. And I am not letting it stop me or COVID stop me. Good for you. Yeah. I love that. Thank you. I love that. I had a grandmother who didn't like to do anything, and I said, I'm never going to be like that. I would rather spend my money traveling and creating experiences than on things. And, you know, that comes down to the St. Pete thing about moving here. Mm -hmm. We moved from 
a 2200 square foot house into an 860 square foot condo right right we downsize big time our friends think we're nuts mm -hmm. for doing that but in Italy, you don't even have 860 square feet in an apartment when you're there. Mm -hmm. And and I learned that you don't need all that stuff. Mm -mm. You don't. I'm hardly ever in the apartment there. I'm with friends or walking around the city, going into a museum, doing things like that. Um, and that's what's important. Actually, the, the relationships are what's important. Mm -hmm. That's why I go to Italy a lot. And that's why I like to share it with people. Because I think part of our world today, there are too many, and I hate to um, say Americans, but there are too many Americans that are too insular, and they don't look at the other cultures mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and totally. see, see what they have to offer us. You know? And there's a lot. That it's they have to it's true. And when I was in the dating field, you know, right. out there, I always said, sorry, if you haven't traveled overseas, you're out. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't off, even make it. Off the list. <laughs> because yeah. that there's a closed-mindedness that comes along with that. There is. There is. Yeah, totally. So there is, there's a popular uh, series that has recently been on CNN, which we need to put on our list. We have not watched this. And I think the only reason I haven't is because I would probably want to make every single thing he ate. But it's uh, Stanley Tucci's Searching for Italy. And Chris, your article is Five Things You Should Have Learned from Stanley Tucci's Searching for Italy. Correct. And I am intrigued. And there's even more than five, but five is a good number. So number one is regional cuisine. There's, there are 20 regions. Correct. Italy, as we know it, only came into being about 1860 or so. Before right. that, it was just a series of little city-states mm -hmm. with, of course, Rome being the big one. Mm -hmm. Venice was a big one and so on. Part of it belonged to France and so on and so forth. And each region has its own food. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I grew up, my grandparents were Abruzzese, so I grew up with that cuisine. And when I would taste something from another region that was highly spiced or something, it's like, this is not Italian because right. that's not what I had. Right, 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 right. right. Yeah, everybody's authentic is what they grew up with. Exactly, right. exactly. Right. And I, I did not realized that the north cooks more with butter and the south cooks with olive oil. I just thought it was all olive oil. No, it's, it is the opposite, and that's because of the French influence into mm -hmm. the north. Right. Yeah, and David at Il Ritorno, we, know, we do know that he uses butter. He does. It's a secret one of the secret ingredients. Yep. Yeah. Number two is San Marzano tomatoes. Yeah. Now, I know about the San Marzano tomatoes. I didn't know that tomatoes were not indigenous to Italy. That's right. They're not. The Spaniards brought them in. Wow. And um, actually, so much of the Italian cuisine is influenced from other regions and uh, or other you know parts of the world, uh, and people don't realize that either. Right. Yeah, so, like the butter in the north influenced from France. From France, yeah. exactly. And olive oil from the Mediterranean side, mm -hmm. from right. Greece and mm -hmm. Turkey and so on and so forth. Right. Right. And the San Marzano tomatoes, oh, they're... they're from the plum tomato family, right? Yeah, they're, yeah, sort of. They're a very small variety. Mm -hmm. um, they have a long, narrow shape to mm -hmm. them, mm -hmm. and they're a little bit sweeter. They don't have the acid in them. You can go in Trader Joe's right now and buy a little pack of them. Mm -hmm. There you get about 12 or so right. for a couple of dollars. 
and they say San Marzano style tomatoes. Right, um, style. Right, because the real San Marzano tomatoes are, are grown in this one little area of Italy. Right. Yeah. Right near Mount Vesuvius. Right. And because of that volcanic soil, that gives, gives you the sweeter, less acidic tomato. Correct. So you want to look for, on the, if you're buying a, pa- a can or whatever, look for the DOP, which is like the protected area. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. It's certified. We learned that with olive oil. <laughs> and so now, wine. And wine. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So number three is garlic. And I learned something from the article. I also learned more from then later on listening to the, uh, the other podcast you were on. But you take it first. Americans think Italian food is garlic-based. Right. And that is not true. If you watch Stanley Tucci's show, you'll notice that when he goes into restaurants and they cook in front of him, very few of them use garlic. He was in um, four places in Rome. They did Amatriciana, Carbonara, Cacio e Pepe, and one other one that I forget right now. Not one clove of garlic anywhere near it, or onion for that matter. When my grandmother would cook, she would put, for example, fried chicken. She would put olive oil on the stove and put one clove of garlic in it until she could smell the perfume, then take the garlic out. Mm -hmm. They cook so that it flavors the food, but that the flavor doesn't overtake the food. Ah. Right. Right. And so many places today you go in and they cook with garlic and you go out smelling like garlic for three days right <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, that's so like if you eat over here and i cook yeah <laughs> kevin's a garlic head okay um and i'm allergic to it oh are yeah. you yeah oh. i get sick if i have oh, right that's wow. too bad yeah so you gotta make sure that they're you know telling you the truth when you say you can't have garlic right that's yeah. it exactly is it all alliums or just garlic no onions onions too, too. Mm-hmm. i have a, yeah. we have a friend that's got that rice you know right yeah oh yeah that's right. Mm-hmm. So funny thing is on the, uh, what was the name of the other podcast? Let's give them a shout out again. It's um, Big Blend Radio. Big Blend Radio. Okay. I will eventually remember that because I did subscribe this morning. But it's funny. One of the hosts on there was talking about garlic soup. I'm out on my walk. I'm like, garlic soup. I got to remember that when I get back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. My, um, my friend that lives in Naples has a recipe. There's a place in Naples that they love. Uh, that makes garlic soup, and the place gave them the recipe, so Ooh. I'll get it for you. Would you that please? Would be awesome. I will. That would be awesome. I will. And you're talking Naples, Italy, not Naples, Florida. No, I'm talking Naples, Florida. I'm really? sorry. Yeah, I, I wasn't specific okay, there. Number four is on spaghetti bolognese. Oh, God. <laughs> uh oh, am I going to hate this? <laughs> no, spaghetti, <laughs> spaghetti bolognese does not exist in Italy. And the reason is the sauce, the sauce that we call bolognese here is basically. Um, a red sauce that they throw ground meat in. Mm-hmm. Real bolognese sauce is not even really a sauce. It's ground pork, veal, or um, beef. And then they also put in pancetta with it. Then finely diced carrots, finely diced onion, finely diced um, celery. Mm-hmm. That's all cooked together. They do, a lot of them use um, wine in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes they will use tomato paste a very concentrated tomato paste but only like two tablespoons of it so it's not real saucy it's not real sauce at all no it's very heavy and um they don't use spaghetti because spaghetti is too thin to hold the sauce 
So they use tagliatella, uh-huh. which is a wide kind of noodle or medium-sized noodle or parparadella or something mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. yeah. um, because it holds it. I would still like that. <laughs> it's it's very good. I've had it. I mean, because yeah. we were in so, Italy, I'm sure. <laughs> so this was not in this particular article, but just along those same lines from some of your other writings, some other things that don't exist in Italy, fettuccine Alfredo, pepperoni pizza, chicken parm, and veal parm. This I knew. <laughs> but eggplant parm, yes. Yes, eggplant does because it was a cheap vegetable, easy to grow, so they could do that. But when they came over here, the abundance, you know, when when the Italians were in Italy, so poor, they used a lot of vegetable-based stuff. Um, they didn't use beef because it was too expensive. So when they came to the States and all of a sudden they had money to buy meat, mm-hmm. then they would transfer some of the recipes to chicken or veal. Veal, yeah. veal. Right. veal at the time was very cheap. Mm-hmm. As we know now, it's more expensive than mm-hmm. regular beef. Right. right. Yeah. And number five is balsamic vinegar. <laughs> the stuff you buy in the store is not real balsamic vinegar. It takes a long time to produce it, and it's almost like producing a wine because they keep it in large casks, and it can age up to 25 years. And you can pay a couple hundred dollars for an ounce of it. Mm-hmm. You, you should get one of those. I have 10-year aged. I, I buy... You know, I don't buy the cheap stuff. At no, the store. no, I mean, I mean the two hundred dollar bottle. You should get that. Oh, I should get that. Yeah. Yeah, you should get that. And you, don't, <laughs> and you don't use it on salad. Right. I, I don't right. typically use it on salad anyway. I I do red wine vinegar and and I, and really good olive oil. Girl after my own heart. <laughs> right, but you said in, in the article that it's not a cooking ingredient. You should never warm it. Right, because that takes away from the flavor. The flavor. Right. So you put it on top of grilled meats, veggies, fruits, risottos, cheeses. As a even, drizzle. Even gelato. I bet you that is so good. That is wonderful. Mm-hmm. And, and did you know there's olive oil gelato? Oh, no way. Really? There is. There really is. There's yeah. avocado gelato. That I knew. Someone made that recently. Mm-hmm. We saw yeah. it in our home cooking group. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there was another one my husband just saw on some show we were watching and I was doing something else so I don't remember what it was but he said how oh beer gelato that's what <laughs> oh, wow. he said how disgusting would that <laughs> be <laughs> I don't know it might not be bad it depend on, depend on the beer because yeah. they have so many of these like porters and stuff that are really yeah. heavy these days that would add a really nice flavor it actually looked like it was a heavy beer because yeah. it was very dark so that's yeah, yeah. probably what it was right so that's it for that article but I have one other thing that relates going back to what is from Italy and what is Italian American or American Italian and then we'll take a quick break and then we'll come back and talk about the association okay so I think I know the answer to this but there's a conflict like when long time ago like when I was a kid I was told pizza is not Italian pizza is American and then but then now I learn about Neapolitan pizza which seems to be pretty Italian to me so which is it Neapolitan mm-hmm. it that's came the original first, right mm-hmm. But all of the stuff that you find in restaurants here, you're not going to see there. They keep it pretty local on ingredients. So you can go and get, like, um, in English, it's called Four Seasons. So the pizza will be divided in fours, and you'll have mushrooms, um, artichokes, ham, and olives on it. Oh, cool. Um, One for each season. You can get plain pizza that has just cheese and olive oil on it. My grandmother used to make that all the time. 
they have lamb pizza, pizza mm-hmm. with. Oh wow! The one that gets me the most is the the pizza that has potatoes on it. Ah. <laughs> it's potatoes and olive oil, pepperoni pizza. As I said uh, in the article, you won't find there because pepperoni doesn't exist. What you'll find is a sausage pizza mm-hmm. pizza that has um, a spicy sausage, somewhat like pepperoni, but pepperoni in Italian means peppers. So if you order pepperoni pizza, you're going to get pizza that has peppers, peppers all <laughs> over it. Cool. As long as they're hot peppers, I'm well, good. Well, it was hysterical because when, we when we were going to Italy, right. with a good friend of ours, Michaela, she does tours over in Italy, and she said to us, whatever you do, just don't eat the pizza over there. You're, gonna, you're not going to like it. Oh gosh! Yeah. Oh, really? we loved we loved it. We didn't listen to that. Yeah. Are you kidding me? No, we loved. But it was Milan, I think, where we had yeah. pizza. But I'm not listening to anybody that tells me don't eat anything. Yeah, I know. Right? Just, what it. <laughs> fill, don't don't eat. Fill in the blank. I'm eating it. Yeah. No, we loved it. It was yeah yeah. So we'll take a quick break, and then we'll come back, and we are going to talk all about the International Food, Wine, and Travel Writers Association. St. Pete is all about local, and this year we celebrate a local legend's 25th anniversary. Roland Oats Market and Cafe was founded in July of 94 by Bert Swain and Larry Schwartz. From the beginning, Roland Oats has made a commitment to provide St. Pete customers with the finest quality organic whole foods, nutritional supplements, and body care products at the most reasonable price as possible. And now they have a South Tampa location too. We go there for many items, but they are the only place that we go to buy our raw probiotics and other supplements. They have the best organic whole food selection in town, and on the flip side of that, they also offer a fantastic selection of wines and an unparalleled selection of local craft beer. Rollin' Oats has a cafe, Open Daily, which offers delicious sandwiches, burgers, soups, salads, bowls, wraps, entrees, and fresh-made smoothies, along with a variety of prepared and packaged take-home meals located in the market itself. Do you pride yourself with supporting local businesses? Well, put your money where your mouth is and get on into Rollin' Oats today. Rollin' Oats St. Pete is located at 2842 Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Street North. And in South Tampa, you'll find them at 1021 North McDill Avenue. Check them out on the web at rollinoats.com. That's R-O-L-L-I-N oats.com. And Rollin' Oats offers online ordering with curbside pickup. Hey, Lori, have you ever been to Noble Crust? I have. What do you like there? Pork belly pimento cheese and fried green tomatoes are my favorite. Oh yeah, I love that one too. They actually call it the FGBLT. It's fried green tomatoes, pork belly glazed with a Tabasco honey sauce and pimento cheese. Mm -hmm. And it's the first item on the menu, so you can't miss it. And I think they should actually call it the OMG. Yeah, you've said that before. The chicken marsala is really good too. It has chicken and chicken sausage, criminy mushrooms, and four cheese grits. It's so delicious. I love that they mix classics from the American Deep South and Italy. Noble Crust is famous for their fried chicken. I love it. Yeah, and the eggplant parmesan is out of this world. When we do a best eggplant parm list, it'll definitely be on there. Yes, it will. Speaking of lists, Noble Crust made six of them recently. Best Italian, Best Casual Dining, Best Pizza, Best Bloody Marys, Best Meatballs, and, believe it or not, Best Salads. Ooh, ooh, can I tell you another one of my favorite items? Yeah. The spaghetti and meatballs. It's so good. Man, you're not kidding. You know what? They have a brunch on Saturdays and Sundays starting at 1030, which I love. And the deviled eggs are to die for. Let's go to Noble Crust right now. I'm in. Let's do it. 
are back! We are back! We are back with Chris Cutler, the president of the International Food, Wine, and Travel Writers Association. Oh, and also, you guys are going to have your 2021 conference in downtown St. Pete at the Hyatt Place. That's in early November. Mm -hmm. So we look forward to meeting some more people from the association. But what do you guys do? We're basically an association mostly of writers, a lot of travel, a lot of food, and a lot of wine. Um, And not everybody specializes in all three. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how you can specialize in three anyway, but um, <laughs> there are some people that write only wine, some that write only travel. Um, most of us that write food also write travel, or some that write wine will also write travel. Mm-hmm. We have about 200 members worldwide. Mm-hmm. Most of them are U.S.-based, but we have some in Italy, Canada, Australia. Um, where is Michael? Thailand. Wow. And Taiwan. Wow. And cool. Africa. Oh, wow. Yeah. So so we do have a, a good um, group of people. Yeah. Nice eclectic mix. It is. So it's nonprofit based in California, but as you pointed out, correct. international. Most, correct. Mostly U.S., but international. And do I have it correct that you kind of bring writers and travel destinations together, amongst other things? We do. And thanks for bringing that up because I forgot... Because not half, but some of our members are also DMOs or um, convention and visitor bureaus. So um, Mm -hmm. we do, you know, connect with them that way. But we also do press trips. We'll talk to, for example, Seattle is going to host some of our writers. And you apply for those trips. Mm -hmm. And then they take you on a fam trip, which is a, you know, something to familiarize yourself or the, the writers with the area. And then we write about it, share it on social media, photos. Social media has become such a big part of travel writing mm-hmm. and food totally. writing, as you know. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, I saw something that you had the other day about one of the restaurants in town on social media. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, you have to be up on that stuff to, right. uh, to, be, a, to be successful. You asked me that before. <laughs> mm-hmm. Better know social media. Yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I agree with you on that. Mm-hmm. And you also do seminars, webinars. We have two webinars a month. We have a guy out of the Northeast, um, Dave Nershey, who basically puts them together with one of our other board members, Corey Solomon, who's out of California. They all talk to um, wineries. Phoenix has done a couple of food-themed webinars for us. Um, We've got one, or we had one about two weeks ago that was where they had all of the associate members on a panel, and people would ask questions and they would answer what they're looking for for a writer that's coming to their area, mm-hmm. what they can offer, and what we want from them, you know. So it's a, it's a back mm-hmm. and forth like that. Yes, and I also appreciate that you have a code of professional conduct. We do. And we've actually had to enforce it mm-hmm. a few times. Not lately. Ah. Not lately. But Bad behavior. When, yeah. <laughs> yes, when you go. Too much wine. Yeah. <laughs> it could be. <laughs> but when you go on one of these trips, you're representing not only yourself, but the organization. Right, exactly. So um, we do have a code of conduct for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like part of it, uh, I read the whole thing, part of it is like if you are being comped, you need to disclose that. Mm-hmm. And... If you're not going to, then don't be, don't be comped. Right. 
and that that's what we do too oh yeah, yeah definitely but you know because sometimes we'll have people say oh you guys just get to eat for free all the time we're like not really yeah <laughs> um but when we do you'll know right Right. At the at the bottom of an article, if it if it publishes on our website or in our magazine, we ask that they put the author was hosted by the hotel or right. you know, the restaurant or whatever. Right. Um, but it did not influence yeah. their judgment. Right. And you also have uh, awards and contests? We do. We have a writing contest that's annual. Uh, one all of our members can um, apply for that, send in um, an article that published in the last 12 months, and we have an independent juror choose the winner from that. So is win- it just one, one winner? It's just one, one winner for that. We have a photo contest that I just started last year with the group, and we gave out, we had nine categories. We gave out first, second, third, and honorable mention for those. I had six seven seven judges that i know from around the country and actually one in europe that judged the contest we had over 125 entries in it they were all phenomenal photos Mm -hmm. it it was great and then we had a another contest it wasn't really a contest it was an award for a student group Um, but we've had because of the pandemic and Mm -hmm funding we've had to pull back on that one so hopefully we'll be able to do that again next year right so yeah so you have different levels of membership there's a student level membership there is which is a little more affordable since they're students it is and then there's the associate that's pretty much like a regular member that's a content creator of some type yes the associate members no the associate members are the convention and visitor bureaus or dmos and stuff okay okay Um, you could be an associate member actually mm-hmm. if you wanted to be and then we have the regular membership right which are the writers mm-hmm. and we also have a provisional which if you we have requirements I believe it's eight articles within the last two years if you are a relatively new writer and say you have six articles or seven articles and you want to join you can still submit and if your writing is up to par, then we vote to give you a provisional. And the provision is that by the time your membership comes up for renewal, you meet the new goal, mm-hmm. which is four articles a year. Yeah, that's fair. It is. Jeez, we blew out that out of the park. <laughs> yeah. We're like, if you've had eight articles in the last month. <laughs> but yeah, we do it a lot, though. Yeah. Not, not everybody does it like we do it. So yeah, so as I mentioned earlier, the 2021 conference is in downtown St. Pete, so we're happy to have you guys here. And we've been talking to Kathy Merchant. She's, I guess, overall on setting up the conference. And then I also spoke to Andy... Andy Harris. Andy Harris. He, has a, he does a radio talk show on, on food. In L.A., on, on food, food and right. And he's organizing one of the panels, and I'm not going to do a spoiler here, but a prominent chef from downtown St. Pete will be on that panel. Right. Let's just say that. I just heard who it was. Yeah. <laughs> right. And Kathy is the chair. Mm-hmm. Yes. Doing a great job on it. And I chose St. Pete because there's so much to do here. And, I mean, within walking distance yep. of us, we have 10 museums. Yeah. Right. It's a great walkable city. Right. 
in the Hyatt's right here. You can walk up Central Avenue. You have restaurants, attractions. And, and in November, the weather is pretty nice. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's great. It is. So let me run down the uh, websites here. So we have ChristineCutler.com, LiveInItalyMag.com, ColdPastaAndRedWine.com. I have all these bookmarked, by the way, because there's a lot of good stuff on here. And for the International Food, Wine, and Travel Writers Association, we have the initials IFWTWA.org. Chris Cutler, thank you so much. Thank you, Thank you both. It's been a pleasure. We will be right back. Where can you find the freshest fish in St. Pete? Well, you can't get fresher than caught that day. That's what you'll find at Trophy Fish. The day boat special includes the fresh catch of the day, cooked how you want it, with your choice of two sides and a house-made sauce. They also have some incredible appetizers, like grilled street corn that's like crack, that stuff's so good, incredible grilled oysters, fresh fish spread, and much more. You will also find some options for the land lovers out there. All of this set in a setting that makes you feel serene and relaxed with your toes in the sand like a day at the beach. They like to call their concept Bait Shop Chic. So head on down to Trophy Fish where you can grab a boat drink from their full bar and fill your tummy with the freshest catch around. Trophy Fish is located at 2060 Central Avenue in the Grand Central District. They are open Wednesday through Friday at 5 p.m., Saturday and Sunday at 12 to 3 for brunch and at 5 for dinner. One of our favorite places to go eat in St. Pete is Engine Number 9. They've been a staple in downtown St. Pete coming up on seven years, and they are famous for their unique and tasty burger creations. As a matter of fact, they are on the St. Pete Foodies list of best burgers in St. Pete. They also made the best hot dogs list, the best chilies, and the best wings in St. Pete. Aside from the food, Engine Number 9 is a great sports bar with lots of TVs, beer, and wine. And you can even get a regular old cheeseburger, too, so you can bring your non-adventurous eater friends. Check out Engine Number 9 at the corner of MLK and 1st Avenue North in downtown St. Pete. Their burgers can't be beat. So I made a couple of really cool, tasty things from St. Pete Meats lately. But first, let me explain something. A lot of people think that Lori and I are married, and we're not, and we don't live together. And that's why it's going great. Coming up on eight years. Yeah, it works for us. So when I have my uh, nights alone, when Lori does not have custody of me, I will sometimes cook for myself. So I do some cooking for one. And I went over to St. Pete Meats with uh, no plan in mind. I just wanted to browse and come up with something. And Matt Bonanno, who you may know as the former owner of Brooklyn South, he sold it right before COVID hit. He's now one of the two butchers over at St. Pete Meats. So there's, we have Matt from Brooklyn and we have Joey from the Bronx. So say hi to those guys if you go over there. So I went over, Matt was there and he was telling me about these sausages that he had just made by hand. It's a house-made bajan chicken sausage. And bajan, in case you don't know, means from or of Barbados. So it's a sausage from Barbados. So I said, "Yeah, hey, I've never had that. 
And the way I am, if I haven't had it, I want to have it. So I got some Bajon sausage and I decided to pair that. Well, first I had to do some research and I tell you, you look up Bajon food, it's hard to find stuff. Mostly what you find are restaurants and restaurant menus from Barbados. But I did some research. I found out that cuckoo, kind of like sounds like couscous, but without the S's, cuckoo is the national dish of Barbados. It's kind of like a polenta with okra in it. And the bajan sausage is mild with some aromatic spices. The cuckoo is mild as well. So I made the Creole sauce spicy as heck with habanero and a bunch of Tabasco as well. And I was sweating profusely and loving it and loved getting to try something new from St. Pete Meat. They also had, Matt also made these Moroccan meatballs. I got those and decided to do those over pearl couscous with heirloom cherry tomatoes. And it was spectacular. So go over to St. Pete Meat and Provisions. They're on the 400 block of Central Avenue, right in downtown St. Pete. And they are continuing to grow. I was just uh, there today as well. And they have some new hand-painted signage on the window. It looks really cool. It looks kind of like an old school butcher shop. And so if you are going to go over there for the Bajan sausage and or the Moroccan meatballs or anything else specific, if you're not ordering in advance on the website, because you can do that, it's uh, stpetemeat.com, you can order in advance and I'll have it ready for you. You tell them the time range you're going to be there. If you're like me and you just want to pop in, that's fine. You can wing it. But the thing is, the Bajan sausage, the meatballs, the stuff that's made in-house is made each day. So... If you're going for a specific item and you haven't ordered in advance, call to make sure they have it. Or just go anyway and get something else if they ran out of the one thing and come back for that another time. So it's uh, stpetemeat.com, as I said. The address is 449 Central Avenue in downtown St. Pete. And they are open seven days a week from 10.30 a.m. to 7 p.m. This is Chris Walker. New on the website, we have the 10 best salads in St. Pete. You'll find that and more at stpetersburgfoodies.com. And next week on the show, our guest is Robin Sussingham. She was on before when she was the host of the Zest podcast. And at the beginning of this year, she relaunched the Edible Tampa Bay magazine. If you want to get in touch, drop us an email at info at stpetersburgfoodies.com. That's it for this episode of the St. Petersburg Foodies podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks to our guest, Christine Cutler. And thanks to our sponsors. St. Pete Meat and Provisions. Trophy Fish. Dr. Barbecues. Roland Oats. The Zest Podcast. Noble Crust. Booyah Ramen. And, and Engine, Engine Number nine. 9. Our announcer is Candice Aviles from Meet the Chef. And our theme music is provided by the Chris Walker Band. We'd like to remind you to check out all the latest restaurant reviews, foodies news, top 10 lists, and updated happy hours on stpetersburgfoodies.com. Please give us a rating and review on whichever app you're using to listen to the show. And remember to share the show with your foodie friends. Until Until next time, time, may your food be hot and your bubbly cold.
I feel so guilty. I've been in Rome for three weeks, and all I've done is learn a few Italian words and eat. You feel guilty because you are American. You don't know how to enjoy yourself. I beg your pardon? It's true. Americans know entertainment, but don't know pleasure. <laughs> this is Luca Spaghetti, by the way. You know? Your name is Luca Spaghetti? Davvero? La mia famiglia si chiama così. We invented it. I'm serious. Listen to me. You want to know your problem? Americans, you work too hard. You get burned out. Then you come home and spend the whole weekend in your pajamas in front of the TV. <laughs> That's not far off, actually. But you don't know pleasure. You have to be told you've earned it. You see a commercial that says, um, it's Miller time. And you says, that's right. Now I'm going to buy a six pack and drink the whole thing and wake up the next morning and you feel terrible. <laughs> but an Italian doesn't need to be told. He walks by a sign that says, uh, you deserve a brick today. And he says, yeah, I know. 